Good morning. Happy New Year to you all. Uh, it's so great to be with you. I know that uh, I have been anticipating being with you today. I'm really looking forward to it. And but I will say this: that this first week of this year has been been challenging. Um, first, we have the Perry incident and being married to an educator uh, that seems to hit home uh, really close. And um, yeah, so I, I feel for you, teachers and educators and staff members. Um, it's it's hard. It's felt felt close. And uh, maybe some of you even knew people. I know I talked with some people that had friends or family members that were part of that. And then in Grundy Center, um, we had a third grade child, Diedrich, uh, who passed away suddenly this week. And um, that's really sent ripple effects through the school, um, through our community. And yeah, so pray for Diedrich's parents, Terrence and Nicole. And, and their whole family. Yeah, it's been hard. Uh, hard beginning to the year. And then I get a call last night uh, from Randy Deacon, who is maybe a friend to many of you here. Uh, his mother, who is a dear saint in the Lord, passed away. And so just a lot, of, a lot of hard things as we begin the year. And yet, it's a new year. And there's something about a new year for me that is exciting. It's like being able to kind of turn a page, and um, one reason why I was, I was really excited to be here with you today is that I'm just so grateful, I'm so grateful to God for the way in which we ended the year, we had some beautiful Christmas Eve services, and, and God's people, God, God provided in ways for us to be able to financially move forward, to do what we do, I mean, I, I, it just exceeded uh, expectations, and so I want to say thank you to you, to the ways in which you, uh, God moved in through you and through you, um, it is uh, a great way to start the year. And so thank you. Thank you so much for that. I also want to say, as we begin this new year, uh, for me, it's like this opportunity to be, maybe to begin some new habits. I don't know if you're resolution people or word people, you know, or just normal people. <laughs> yeah. Some people are really into resolutions. Some people are really into uh, picking a word for the year, and, and it's like this new opportunity. Well, I think as we begin this new year, one thing that my prayer, and I know that the other teachers in this series, as we begin this new series, is that our desire for you is that you might have a, a fresh and new experience of the Lord in this new year. That that would be something that you might desire that that would be something that, that you might pursue. And we want to help you with that, and we want to encourage you that. In fact, we're going to be looking at one chapter in, in the Gospel of John, John chapter 15. It's, it's my favorite chapter, I think, in the whole of the Bible. And um, so I'm excited to be able to read that. But, but this idea that, that I can have a new and fresh experience with God, and part of that is learning how to remain with him every day, to be connected to him every day. And so I want to read from John chapter 15. And uh, if you have a Bible, you're joining, I have the words up here on the screen. But we're just going to read a few verses from the beginning of that chapter. And, and Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says this I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes or cleanses so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. 
Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. So I think Jesus says it this way. If we want to experience a new and fresh encounter with Jesus or with, with God in this new year. He says a key, and it's not rocket science, he says a key is just to stay connected to the vine. To remain every day is to stay connected to this, this vine. Remain in me, for apart from me, you can do nothing. What are the ways in which we can remain? What are keys to remaining every day? Well, it is this connection. In fact, the word remain is used 11 times in, 10, in the first 10 verses of this chapter. It simply means this idea of abide, endure, dwell, pitch a tent. It's like hang out, be here, stay connected, abide in me, remain in me. Remain connected to me. And, you know, we can describe the Christian life in all kinds of ways. And I don't know, maybe you have all kinds of ways. Maybe it's a list of things to do. You know, for some of us, that, that's what it gets to be. But I don't think that's what Jesus wants. At the heart of the Christian life is simply this. It is knowing a person. It is this ongoing, intimate relationship that we have an opportunity to have with Jesus. And so as we begin a new year, I want to invite you to pursue this kind of relationship. To be connected to Jesus. What does that look like? Well, it means that I'm going to pursue this intimate conversational relationship. In fact, I believe it means that I'm going to model the same kind of relationship that Jesus has with the Father. I think that's what he's inviting us into. And Jesus, throughout the, the Gospel of John, but this is a good example. In John chapter 5, he simply says this, I tell you, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. In fact, he says that all the time. He said, you know, I go where the Father tells me. I do what the Father tells me to do. I speak the words that the Father tells me to speak. In fact, I have a relationship with the Father. I and the Father are one. And then he's saying to the disciples, us, you too can have that kind of relationship with me. Stay connected to me. The heart of the Christian faith is this idea that we have the privilege of being connected to Jesus. Now, I brought this. This uh, pitcher, cup, saucer, and plate. And uh, some people were pretty nervous in the first service because I get a little excited and they thought I was going to knock it off. Um, I'll, I'll maybe move it so you don't have to worry about that. But this is simply an image, a metaphor, if you will, of what this passage, is John 15, is about. And I introduced this about over a year ago. I brought this with me and uh, I want to introduce it again. It actually sits uh, in my study by my desk in a window in my study by my house, in my house. 
and I keep it there as a reminder for me. It, it reminds me of the centrality of this relationship, the, the kind of person that I want to be. I want to be a pitcher, cup, saucer, plate person. Pitcher, cup, saucer, plate. The idea is simply this, that the pitcher is, is God, and, and this is my life, right? And um, although my life is a lot more cracked and dinged and, you know, it leaks, right? But this is my life, and this is where I want to be. I want to be in relationship with God. I want to be connected to him. I want to be receiving from him this overflowing grace and mercy. I want to be in a position where I, where I can just receive his life. This life-giving sustenance. This vine life-giving sustenance. And then what happens is if I'm connected to him, it kind of works its way out, right? It works its way. When I'm connected to God, I hear his instructions. I hear his wisdom. So I know how to speak or I know how to act. And then I, so I'm having this encounter. We say this, we encounter Jesus. We meet with Jesus first so that we can hear from him. And then we follow him. And it's like, like that sort of spills over into my relationships. My relationship, the people that are closest to me, this is my saucer. These are my people. And these are my family and my friends, my church family. And, and, I, and it spills out over, and I follow Jesus into those relationships. And I learn how to act and live a life of love. And then, you know, if I continue to remain in him, it not only spills out into the people that are closest to me, but it spills out over into the things that I'm doing to the workplace that I'm going, to the activities that I'm a part of, to the things that I'm organizing. And I, I begin to follow Jesus and partner with him in the work that, I'm, that he's doing and that we're doing together in the world. And I bless this broken world. But I'm encountering him first. I'm allowing him to spill into me. And then that overflow kind of leads me into my life. And it's that kind of vital connection, that kind of vital connection that I think Jesus wants for us. Okay, I'm going to put this down so we don't, don't lose it. I might come back. You see, when I connect with God, when I bring him my concerns, when I bring him my anxiety or my anxious thoughts, when I bring him my burdens, then you know what he does? He pours into me his peace. He pours into me his strength. So I have an inner strength that meets the outer demands of my life. I want to create time and space for Jesus to be with me. I want to be with him. I want to meet with him so that I can meet the demands of my life. That it overflows When I connect with God, I hear his instruction, and so he pours into me his instruction. And so I have this moral compass, if you will. I have this idea that that God wants to direct me and give me courage to do the next right thing rather than follow the other way or the ways of the world. So I have this inner strength to meet the demands of my outer demands of my life. 
It is this movement from inner life to outer, from inside out. And he says, I am the true vine. In other words, we get the privilege of meeting with him, remaining in him. And it's not, but he invites us to meet with him as he truly is. That's really what I want to say. The true vine. Now, I think that sometimes that's, that's a bit of a struggle. I'll give you an example of what, you know, this, um, this confession time. My wife and I were getting older. And um, it's really hard to buy gifts for each other at Christmas time. Especially gifts that would surprise each other, right? So we go out shopping now. And, uh, you know, she'll say, oh, you could get that and you could wrap that up and give that to me. Anyway, guys, come on. It's like you're going, yes, I'm going to take you at your word, honey. You know, all the pressure's off. It's easy, you know, yeah, all right. I got the thing she wants. And so, you know, you, I got my shopping done. And then, you know, over the last few years, it's like, you know, just get that, honey, and wrap it up and you can put it under the tree. And I'm like, yeah. And I've been watching and I'm going, hmm. Her opening up this gift and it's like, She's receiving a gift of her own choosing. Where's the wonder in that? Where's the mystery? Where's the aha and surprise? I think sometimes we approach God that way. It's like, yeah, you know, Brian, you're telling me the truth. Yeah, we need to meet with God. Big deal. What's the deal? Yeah, I'm going to do that. No. We get to meet with him, but I think we need to remember who we're meeting with. If Jesus is simply this gift of our own choosing, he becomes a God of our own creation. He is who he is. This is what he says about himself in the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. In John 8, he said, before Abraham was, I am. I am the preexistent king. I am the door of the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. You want to receive life? Then come to me. Meet with me. But not on your terms. Come to me, meet me, know me as I am. Think about that. We get the privilege. We don't have to, we get to. We get to meet with the God of the universe, the one through whom God spoke and all of creation came into being. We get to meet with him. If we want to experience God afresh, I think we are invited to stay connected in this vital love relationship with Jesus, the one who existed before time began. It is this intimate, ongoing relationship where I'm making a progressive commitment to him through our engagement, through worship, through scripture, 
creating time and space to keep company with Jesus. Let's cultivate our friendship with him. Next key. This is what it says. Next key to this remaining in him. I think we need to understand that the role of the gardener is to prune. But pruning is an act of grace and greater fruitfulness. Listen to what he says. He says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes or cleanses so that it will be even more fruitful. So Jesus is saying, look, my father is the gardener and the gardener's role is to prune. And so I'll, I'll just share with you, you know, my sermon prep for today was uh, I took this passage and I read it with our kids over Christmas break. And I said, hey, give me some insight. What do you think? My daughter had something to say that I thought, wow. She said, you know, Dad, if, if I'm connected to the vine, pruning is going to happen. Pruning is going to happen. The Father's going to cut out the dead, things that are not bringing life, or he's even going to cleanse or prune the things that do give life so that it will, what, be even more fruitful. Now, I'm not a master gardener. In fact, I don't think I could grow much of anything. But uh, I know many of you are. And, uh, you know, my wife, uh, she dabbles. And we have a friend who is really a master gardener. And we reap the benefits of it. I mean, it's amazing. All summer long, we, we get these incredible sort of gifts of green things, which I don't know what they are, to be honest with you. But here's what I know about this master gardener. Like she's pulling off the rot. She doesn't use any chemicals, and so she's pulling off bugs. You know, she's, she's doing all the things. Like she cuts off those branches that are, are dead, but she's taking those things that are pr- producing and she's cleansing them. She's making them more fruitful. It's like the Father. He cleanses the good so that it can be even more fruitful. It is an act of grace. It's not even something that I have to do. It's something that the Father does. Why? So that you can experience more life. You can experience a greater life, a more fruitful life. In fact, I want you to experience so much blessing and fruitfulness in your life that that would show the world It would be to my Father's glory that you might demonstrate and show fruit. Verse 8, it says this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, I also know that sometimes when that image, you think, oh God, God is just a big killjoy. He just, you know, after me. He's going to cut all the things out. You know, he's really not. No, no. Maybe, maybe the best way I could describe that is I, I, uh, I'm a football fan, so I've been watching the college uh, football playoffs, and, uh, you know, I was cheering for Michigan over Alabama, okay? I had lots of friends in Michigan, and uh, I was excited about that because I'm not a huge Alabama fan. But I will say I have come to deeply respect Nick Saban. He's an incredible coach. But he comes off as 
you know, like this is, this is the way, you know. And, and I remember during the season, I, I saw a little clip of uh, an interview with the quarterback, Jalen Milrow. It was in a time when they were kind of struggling, and he was asked a question, so what's it like to be coached by Coach Saban? And, are, you know, what's your relationship? And he said, oh, we have a terrific relationship. I love Coach Saban. He's, he's great. But I have learned something. He said, I've learned that I need to listen to what he says, not how he says it. Right? Because I've, I trust that he wants to, me to be a better player, to be better for the team, to, be, to, to reach my goals. I, I believe in him. I trust him. I know his heart. And you know what? Here's the thing. You need to be able to trust the father's heart, that he has your best interest in mind. Yes, he prunes. He cuts away the bad. He cleanses those things that are good so that it can be even better. But he is good. Which requires a sort of a certain attitude, right? I'm, I'm coming with this attitude of, of humility and surrender. Say, okay, God, I want to meet first with you. I want to be connected to you. I want to meet you as you are. Not as I choose you to be. And I open myself to your work. Prune. Help me be a better version of me. Am I open to God's pruning activity? So, I want to give you a little tool. A tool for remaining in the vine. So, if you want to bring... Pull out your textbooks, friends. This little bookmark, it's for you. It's a tool, it's called the Daily Examine. It's really a prayer exercise. Here's what it is. It's a prayerful reflection and discernment on my life and daily experience. It is intended to help me become aware of the ways in which God is active in my life and resolve to cooperate better with his gifts and calling. In other words, this, it's just saying, I don't always notice things in the moment. I'm going to take time just to reflect. I'm going to look back. I'm going to say, okay, where has God been working? Where, is, where have I seen his presence? Where have I noticed him? Now, I was, the thing is, I'll be honest with you, I, I rarely see God in the moment because I'm just trying to survive. Right? I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to live my day. I'm just trying to get by a lot of times. And, you know, make it through. And I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who actually lost his wife in August. He buried his wife. And um, uh, she died from a long journey of cancer. And he was, came to see me and he was kind of energized. I mean, I, I, I journeyed with him a, a long time. And, and um, he was saying, you know, I knew God was real and I knew he was with us. But, man, when you're just trying to survive... But now, he said, I've had, actually had time. And I look back and I go, wow, to see all the ways that God was providing for us, for this doctor to enter into our situation, for this conversation, for people to come to my house and help us, to bring food, to bring, send cards. It was all these ways. He said, you cannot kind of see God at work unless you're looking in your rearview mirror. 
And I'm like, yeah, that's a great illustration. It's true. You need to take time to examine. Where has God been at work? And so that's what we want to do in this prayer of examine. You can do it any time of the day. You can do it in the morning. You can do it evening. You can do it at your desk. You can do it one part. You could do all of the parts. It doesn't matter. You could do it for 30 seconds. You could do for 30 minutes. But, I, but it's a process of sort of taking your memory and looking back. And so there's four steps, four simple steps. And honestly, you can do one or all of them. Um, but the idea is simply this, to recognize, first off, can I pause and look back and become aware of God's presence in my life? Where have I seen him? The first time I did this, it was... You know, um, well, I've done this on and off for a while, but I kind of reenacted this this practice, and um, it was amazing. God gave this incredible uh, sunset in January, of all things, the first day of the year, and I'm like, wow, that was that was God. Where is it? Do I sense the presence of God? Am I looking for those things? The so next step is is to think about what are the blessings of the day. You know, what were gifts to me? What, what were conversations that were had or things that happened? Um, what were ways in which I really saw that that was, that was kind of a unique gift given? So where do I see God? Where, where do I notice that th- those are things that he's giving me? And then this review, this idea, what review is to me is like simply saying, okay, God, I'm here. I'm open to your pruning. I'm open to your cleansing. Sort of your, okay, where did I blow it? Where did I miss it? What were the conversations that I kind of regret or things that I did that I'm like, ah, okay. You know what? (laughs) I've been doing this on and off for the last few weeks. And I catch myself thinking there are a lot of great days that I have, and I, I'm actually seeing God at work in ways that I, I've never maybe noticed before, but then I realize I mess up. I mess up every day. That's okay. So how am I going to respond to that? Well, it's not okay, but it's okay in that I'm becoming more aware of it. I can actually partner with God to help him say, look, I want to change that about me. I want to prune that from my life, if I could. Will you help me? So how do I respond? What do I, what do I need to say thank you for? What do I need to confess? What do I need to do moving forward? What do I need to become more aware of? So it's a simple tool, simply to help you, to examine your life. And I, I, I just, this is like, you know, the gym talk right now. Like 30-day challenge. Can you do, you can do this. You can do this. Let's do it together. I think God will show up in ways in in your life, in our life, together, that we never expected. So let let me pray. God, I know that um, we are here in this new year, and um, it's an opportunity for us to turn a page, to begin again. And thank you that your mercies are new every morning. 
And that, Lord, that you want us to be connected to you and you want us to be open to your instruction, your correction, your love. Help us to do that. Would you spark in us a heart of renewal, a heart that is connected to Jesus and quick to give thanks and quick to confess and quick to to enter in to joining with you in your work in the world. Lord, may we be um, aware of your presence and remain every day with you. In Jesus' name, amen.